I believe in the power of the spoken word. And I believe that the Father delights in hearing your voice. So read with me. Psalm 139. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I might make my bed in Shoal, you are there. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. How precious are your thoughts, O oh God. How precious in the sum. <laughs> I would count them. They are more than the sands, I, and I am still with you. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Father God, as we, your church body, come together this Sunday morning, investigate our lives, O God. The one who knows all, sees all, and hears all. Keep us on the potter's wheel. Mold us and make us as we bend in to hear what you have to say this Sunday morning. Show us your glory. Draw us in as we become more thirsty and more hungry. We ask your precious Holy Spirit to come this morning, bringing comfort, healing, revelation, and wisdom as we hear your word spoken through your servant. Put your revelation and wisdom into his mouth of the one bringing your message. Comfort us where we need comforted. Heal us where we need healed. And bring us your word as we press into you this Sunday morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, good morning, all. Good to see you. I hope you've all sprung forward. Uh, I'm, I feel like I've, I'm still falling back. So I hope to get there. But welcome to Life Community Church. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, some big news came out this week. I don't know if you guys saw the statistic, but uh, there's a statistic out now that says those of us who are under 36, I'm going to go to you who are above 36 here in a second, but those of us who are under 36, we are going to, before we leave this earth, take 25,000 selfies in our lifetime. 25,000. That's a good piece of news for you guys. I'm sure you're excited about that. Uh, I know that I am. Uh, okay. And that's kind of, uh, you know, it's interesting because the average human life on this continent in days is about 27,375. And so that turns to be about a selfie a day, you know, which reminds me, I, I need to get mine in today. So, you know, no, <laughs> trust me, I'm not doing a new selfie. I see this selfie in the mirror once a day, right? And we're good from there, okay? <laughs> I don't know if that number includes like the 10 other kind of selfies that we that are taken before that one selfie that we feel like that's a good one we're going to put on the internet. Does that 25,000 include that number? It kind of seems small thinking about that. Uh, when we were in Florida at the beginning of the year, I remember vividly walking on, on the streets in Florida and there was a guy by himself uh, trying to take the perfect selfie. And next to him was another gentleman who was indeed trying to take a perfect selfie. And do you have any idea what that looks like? 
from far. Do you have any idea, for those of you who take selfies, uh, do you have any idea? This is what it looked like. <laughs> Two gentlemen right next to each other trying to find the best pose for themselves. Just, they're moving their heads, eyes were, eyes were open. What's this? This. Uh, it was like a movie. It was like Zoolander. I was watching Zoolander, the movie, in real life. Um, it's just... Now, I'm not trying to make fun of you who take selfies. I, I think in that moment, I was like, Lord, if it be your will, I, I'm okay with you moving me to a resort island somewhere by myself. Uh, but Lord, your will, not mine, okay? I'll default to you. Uh, so I'm not trying to, to, to make fun of us who take selfies. But uh, it can be weird at times. I, I think that I would rather watch 25,000 pictures of people in the process of taking selfies <laughs> than 25,000 selfies in themselves. So this is sort of our routine, okay? This is kind of our routine in life. For us who are younger, we'll talk about those who are a little above the age of 36 right now because, listen, even... Listen, the baby boomer generations, you're the third most selfie generation in the world, okay? So it's just not the millennials. It's baby boomers are doing this as well. Uh, but this is kind of our rhythm. We, we take pictures of ourselves doing things, going places to chronicle our events in life so other people can see them, right? We do these things so that our friends and our families and even like everyday strangers can know us. They get to know us. And I guess that I would see that as one benefit of social media, is that you get to be in the know with friends and families that you don't connect with locally. Maybe they're in a distance, and it allows you to know them a little bit more. And so all of this chronicling, all of these selfies, all of these pictures, everything that we post, listen, it comes from a fundamental desire of the soul. It comes from a desire that is rooted in our hearts, and that desire is to be known, to be known. Everyone wants to be known. Everybody wants to be noticed. Everybody wants to feel like they're important. We used to say as kind of a motto for us when, when I was working with kids is that everybody wears a sign that says, make me feel important. And, and we try to kind of speak into that. But this is all of us. And so this was a part of our rhythm long before social media ever came into the picture. We have been actively pursuing a desire to be known since the fall of man, the story that we find in Genesis 3, a fractured relationship between God and man. We as man lack a whole relationship with the Father because of our sin, and from that day on, we have been searching to be fully known because we are absent of a father in a relationship who fully knew us and understood us. And so that has existed for ages. It just takes on new forms like social media, but it's always existed and we all do it. I don't care what your age is. And so let, let me ask you these questions today. Just some questions to consider. I don't need you to, to respond to these questions. Who do you want to be known by? Like, who do you want to be known by in your life? Is it like the successful guy that in your business structure? Is it your boss? Is it like that pretty lady that you go to school with? Is it the handsome gentleman at the restaurant? Is it, is it somebody famous? Do you want to be known? I want to be known by somebody famous. Who? Who? 
do you want to be known by? And how many people do you want to be known by? Is it, is it about getting a certain amount of likes, a certain amount of followers, a certain amount of friends? Is it about having a group of people that say, hey, I like that guy. He's, I'll give him a thumbs up. How, how many people do you want to know you? And, and, and listen, do you think that that is going to improve your reality? Is it going to make you better in some way? Is it going to satisfy? Has it ever? Has it ever before in your life? And so I ask those questions because today we're, we're going to read through a psalm that King David just beautifully wrote. Psalm 139. And it speaks about a God that knows us better than anyone or anything on this earth, including ourselves. Including ourselves. That the Lord has so thoroughly searched you that he knows everything there is to know about you. Not a secret is outside the knowledge of our Father. There is not a word that goes unnoticed by our Redeemer. There is not a place that you can travel or go to that is not known by God. There is not a neuron in your body that is undiscerned by your Creator. We are fully known by God as his children and fully delighted in. Tim Keller, who is a pastor in New York, he writes this. He says, to be loved but to not, not known is comforting but superficial. So to be known, but to be loved but not known is comforting, but it's superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like how God loves us. It is what we need more than anything. And so this is where we're going to hitch our wagons today. We are going to talk about a God that knows his children more than they know themselves, who delights in his children with great fervor and passion. So all of us who are out there, which is all of us, who are seeking approval, looking for attention, wanting to be noticed, I want you to hear today about a father that knows you and delights in you. Because David says that God is so interested in you that he observes your most common acts. David pins in that first line in Psalm 139, he says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. So God is so, so enthralled with us that he notices our most simple acts, that you have a Father in heaven with a chorus of the angels that's saying, hold on, Bill's standing right now. He's sitting down, okay. He's so enthralled with you that he notices you standing and sitting. So many of us believe that we have to do this grandiose thing, this big deed for God to notice us. But the word records that the Lord notices you when you sit. That's how deep and powerful his love and knowledge of you is. Isn't that beautiful? I love David's words here. The word says that, that he even comprehends our thoughts, that he has so thoroughly searched us that he knows our thoughts. He knows the words we would speak before they come out of our mouths. 
There is nothing hidden from the Lord, nothing outside of his grasp, nothing outside of his knowledge and care. David says in this scripture, he says that you have hemmed me in, that you lay hands upon me. And that word hem me in means to be besieged, that the Lord has besieged us. It is like an army walking into an ambush and they walk into it and all around them, all they see is the armies around them. There is nowhere that they can escape. Your Lord has besieged you. He is all around you. He is in front of you preparing your path. He is behind you recording your sin and blotting them out. And he is all around you. There is no place that you can go where he is not with you. He hemmed you in. And David says this, such knowledge is wonderful to me. You're too good, God, that you would know me that well. That's it's incredible, Lord. I, I can't handle that, that you know me that much, Lord. It's too wonderful. And he says, where should I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? I think sometimes we misunderstand where God's presence is. I think we misunderstand that God is based on a location, that he's here and he's there, he's over here, that he moves from this place to this place. But that's not true for those who are children of God. There's not a place that you can go. There's not a location you can wander to. There's not a cave you can crawl in or a niche that you can go in that the presence of God is not already there. He's all around us. And he delights in you. I think sometimes as believers we think, well, I need to pray to, to be in the presence of God or that we can somehow re-enter the presence of God. But you can't re-enter the presence of God because you've never left it. He, he's never left you. He's all around you. All the time, he's always watching and he's always waiting. And he's always working. I, I think somewhere along the line, I did this craft called the God's Eye. Do you remember this craft? It was kind of a creepy crap, a craft, I'm going to say. Just kind of creepy. You have this yarn, and then they told you to put it in your house. I remember in my house that God's eye, he's up there watching you. And like when I was a kid, like, I was like, oh, this is kind of, God is watching me, okay? And I, I kind of put it together with like this authoritarian God that was kind of watching me to make sure I behaved, and somehow that was linked to Santa Claus, and there was a list of naughty or nice, and so, all right. I remember it's just sitting up there. But that's not the picture of, of God that we see in our scriptures. I, I think some of us, we hear this phrase like, oh, God's all around you. He's watching. And we think, oh, there's this God that's got his arms folded. He's got this stern look on his face, and you better behave, right? Because, you know, well-meaning people, we did this craft, and it really was about making us behave. But that's not the picture of, of a Lord that is all around us that we see in scripture. He's not an authoritarian God that's demeaning you. Listen to what Zephaniah Zephaniah the prophet writes about God's children coming into restoration. This is what the Spirit of the Lord does around those who are His. It says this, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness, and He will, be, he will quiet you by His love. That for those who call upon the name of Christ, by word and by heart, this is what the Lord does in your presence. He sings songs over you. <laughs> he sings songs over you. Like, I love that guy. Can you, I, I pictured this week, I was walking, I was discouraged, and I just thought, you know what? The Lord's just singing to me right now about me. And it's just like, 
All right, I can do this. I got, God, I don't know what he's singing. I'm sure it's something pretty cool. Uh, maybe some acoustic version, some indie version of rock or something, something in that area. But he's, he's singing over me. He delights in me. David describes how God knows his creation. He says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. We've heard that phrase before. We've maybe wrote that somewhere the birth of our child, or just thought that. And, and you know that phrase, wonderful. That's easy to understand. Like, yeah, Lord, you made me wonderful. I get that. I'm pretty wonderful. But that phrase, fearful, that God fearfully made us. That, what does that mean? How can an all-powerful, all-creating, all-present, all-loving God be fearful in anything? How are we fearfully made? And so I like to think about this. If, if you were ever to go to New York, you probably had your breath taken away by all of those structures across the panorama of the New York skyline. They're just beautiful. Maybe you've been to the top of one and looked out over the city. Have you ever been in the city when one of those is being built? It's a sight. You've got steel everywhere. Trucks are coming in and out of this place everywhere. You've got people on every floor around the building. It is just a symphony of chaos. But for all of the craziness of it, every moment, every movement, movement has a purpose because there was a designer, there was an architect who years before labored fearfully over those plans. I've got to make sure that this beam is here and this beam is here because it's going to fall down. If we, we've got to put the plumbing over here so it flows better. We've got to do the electrical here. This has to be hidden for everybody. Why? Because they want to make sure that building never falls down they want to make sure that those who live in it have a great experience, have no fear, and those who visit it enjoy that structure. And that is like your father. He is so careful in the intricacies of how he made you, not just in your creation, but in your personality, in the way that you speak, in the way that you attach to others, in your relationships, and how God is so concerned that he, the verb here, fearfully could be put there, that he has that much care that this would go right according to his plan and purpose, that he would think of us that much and consider his creation that much. So we are fearfully made because we have a God that delights in the intricacies of who we are, and he takes time to make sure that they go where he wants them to go. I like to think of the human body. It's just amazing. Do you know that in the human body that you have a two-foot cord called the spinal cord? It's about the, the, the width of my index figure. And it has 10 billion neurons in it, uh, 10 billion uh, nerves in it. 10 billion. You've got 6 million rods in your eye and 10 million cones for you to see color and black and white. You have 62,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. 62,000 miles of blood vessels. And the Lord oversaw all of them. He just loves you. And he delights in you. And then the psalm goes on to say that my frame was not hidden from you when you made me in secret. It wasn't hidden. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when yet there was none of them. I, I think 
This is a beautiful picture of a God that just doesn't concern himself with the intricacies of design, but with the intricacies of our path, that the Lord has laid out our path long before we exited our mother's wombs. And look, if I can just walk into this area, I think that sometimes people are confused why Christians are so zealous about pro-life issues. I do want to spend time to remind us that we value the unborn. Not because, not because, not because we want to control somebody's body or to control somebody's will. This is not about infringing on somebody's right. We just have a fundamental belief that what God created in that womb, that he knows that unformed substance and he gave it meaning. He gave it meaning. He formed our most inward parts. And we believe that that substance, that creation, deserves a voice. It has to be valued because we read of a God who so fearfully and wonderfully created it. That's all. (laughs) We're not crazy. Yes, we are. We are crazy at times. But not about this. We just earnestly want to protect what God has shown value and attention to. And here's the thing. He has shown that same value and attention to you. So much so that David expresses that God's thoughts of us outnumber the sands on the shore. What David is saying is that the task of counting God's thoughts of love for you would be an unending process. That if we should attempt to calculate them, that we would fail. That even if we could calculate all and count all the sands on every shore, that that wouldn't be enough because his thoughts about you are more than all the sands on the shore. That's how much your father thinks of you. An infinite amount of thoughts that he has for you. An infinite amount of love that he delights in you. It is uncomprehendable for us, how much he delights in his children. And so our father completely knows us. Instinctively, richly, he knows us. There is nothing about you that is unknown. Not a cell, not a thought, not a word, not a location. You are completely known by the father and you are completely loved. So when we understand that, as I believe it, when you Hear this, Psalm 139. Why is it that we export this desire to be known to the world? Why do we just readily export this idea to the world? That we have a father who knows us, but yet, instead of fully being delighted and fully being loved in it, we take that desire and we prosthesize it to the world. And we pursue after the world's trinkets and toys and knowledge of us, and they are incomplete. And all of that does is create a different reality that we live in. When we bask in the knowledge of God and a deep understanding of he knows who we are and he loves us completely, it takes us into a position of security that I know who I am and I know what he says about us. But when we sell off this desire to the world, it creates a position of insecurity in which we are constantly engaging the world 
broken people, broken worlds for a need that it cannot supply. If this room were the vast void that we have to be known, we know that this, the only thing that can fill that void to be known is our Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing else will fill it. And so we walk through the world trying to gain the attention of others, trying to be known by others, and all we are doing is throwing pebbles into the recess of a void that it cannot ever fulfill. Can't fill it. And so we are moved out of insecurity. When I worked with students, my heart would break because I would see kids post things online and be completely and utterly broken that they didn't get the amount of likes that they expected. Just utterly broken over that. Utterly broken. We, out of our insecurities, we post pictures about ourselves because what do we want? We want somebody to tell us we're beautiful. I want those comments. I want somebody, I'm going to post this because I just need somebody to tell me I look pretty today. I need somebody to tell me I'm loved. We walk in this position of insecurity, but we have a father who's given us security. And this isn't just students, it's all of us. It's all of us. Our insecurity propels us to say things and do things to get an audience. But none of those things deliver. They don't. Listen, your desire, your desire to be known cannot be satisfied by a position or an audience, but only through a name. It cannot be satisfied through a position, an audience, but only through a name. Andy Stanley says it's about a who, not a how. It's about a who, not a how. And the only name that we are to be known by is the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the only one that satisfies our desire to be known. The Apostle Paul writes this in Galatians 4. He says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? I love that description. The weak and worthless elementary principles of the world. How is it possible for us who can see and hear and know of the completeness of the knowledge that God has for us and the love that he has for us, and why would we ever turn back to the world? Why would we ever? David never wants to go back. David never wants to go back. There is such a security for David to be known by the Father. He delights in it because it's so full and it's so deep. It's a complete love, a complete delight that is there for him and for us. But listen, David speaks well of a God that knows us and loves us. But David doesn't want us to leave with this idea of God as a boyfriend God that has googly eyes over you. He fully delights in you, but do not mistake our loving God for a God that is not just. We have a God that loves us immensely, but he is a God of wrath as well. He is so holy. He's so glorious that he cannot be in the presence of sin. 
And and David writes about this reality of, of people who are rejecting God's name, who are speaking against God's name and his people. He says, oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. And I love what David does here. He brings it back to himself. Right after that, right after understanding God has to deal with sin, he says, Lord, search me. Search me that there might not be in me anything grievous to your way in me. Search me Father, because he doesn't want any sin, any issue in his life to separate him from the Lord. I think that we have to understand a God that is absolutely crazy in love with you, but a God that absolutely cannot be in the presence of sin. We have an all-powerful creator God who created his creation good. He created it. He nailed it. And he will not stand for his name to be belittled or mocked. We choose our own way rather than God's. We do that. We have done that. And our God is so just, right, and holy that he will not watch his name be mocked. He will not watch his name be mocked. And so what does he do? Out of that great love for us, to know you, he sends his son, Jesus Christ, into the world, God in flesh, to do what? To crush him. He pours out all the wrath that he has against the children of God onto Jesus and kills him. And then he raises him from the dead. And that very power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive and active in those who call upon the name of Jesus Christ as our Father, as our Savior. It is with you. God is everybody's creator. That is true. And he loves the whole world. But he is not everyone's father. He is not everyone's father. Only those who search their hearts and profess the name of Jesus Christ can we walk in a relationship with a Father that is fully known and fully delighted in and fully loved that your Lord would sing praises over you every day of your life. It says this in John 1. John 1 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And don't we just delight in our kids? I mean, my daughter, we delight in our kids more than anything else. I love watching the way my daughter laughs. Who else enjoys it as much as I do? Nobody. Like my little girl, like she, she asked my wife yesterday, she was pretending to, to face paint her. And she said, mama, can you ask me to paint a rat on your face? And my wife said, okay. Camille, can you paint a rat on my face? And she said, no, thanks. I only draw strawberries. Like, (laughs) I just delight in my children. But here's the thing. Does anybody else? All those videos on your phone that you got, Billy, look, look at this. He did this. Does anybody else love them as much as you do? No. 
sorry. And that doesn't mean you don't have to stop showing me pictures of your kids. But that's our father. When you're his children, <laughs> look at this guy. He's sitting. He lights in you. And it's only through the name of Jesus Christ. And so may David's example today be our example, that we would search our hearts for anything that we need to get out of the way. And if you need to begin today a relationship with a creator God that fully knows you and fully delights in you, then you need to deal with your sin. Because all sin has a wrath to it. And the only one that cures that wrath is Christ. He took it for us. What a reality to be known by a loving God. Let that inform every step of your way. When the world wants to discourage you, when it wants to, to, to bring you down, when it wants to provide melancholy, know this, that the Lord is singing praises over you, friend. When things aren't right, when you're confused, know this, he knows you and he's delighting in you. It is a thought to rest on today. You will not find your needs satisfied to be known in an audience or a position, but only through the name of Jesus Christ. And it is elaborate, his love for us. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today and we praise you as a holy and just God that delights in your children. <laughs> you love us. You love us in our sitting, in our standing. You sing praises over us. Lord, help us to know that, not just in our brain, but in our hearts, that it would inform our realities, that we would come from a position of security, of being fully known by the Father and fully delighted in, and that we would move away from our insecure reality of begging people to give me attention, to make me feel known, that we would rest in you, God, that we would believe in you by faith. And trust in you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And we pray this in your son's amazing name. Amen.